Hello, and welcome to the Astrology Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana, and today we will be discussing astrology in real life. Um, so I really am excited to do this episode. I had to write down a bunch of my experiences um, because I think that astrology can be misconstrued as this really woo thing that is only in metaphor and I do think that that is true to a large extent but I also think that there are some really literal ways that um you know our placements can show up in our lives and that um that transits can show up in our lives so uh some of these that I'm going to be talking about are my natal placements that I've dealt with throughout my life and how they've shown up for me. And some of them are going to be um, transits. So the first thing I thought I would talk about is like (laughs) my Saturn return. It sounds really stereotypical now that I'm thinking about it, but I have Saturn in the second house. And I have Saturn in Capricorn. And honestly, Saturn returns can be really emotional and really difficult. And as somebody with Saturn on Saturn, essentially, um, I just think that I dealt with a lot of really stereotypically Saturn things during that time. For example, uh, I worked two jobs, um, especially because it was landing in my money house, which is the second house. I kind of had, like, meltdowns all the time. Um, my, uh, you know, I, I dealt with, like, weight issues. Um, I dealt with unemployment. So, I mean, if we think about the second house and how the second house really represents our, sort of our body, but, our, like, our eating habits, what we value, our core values, and... Uh, you know, Saturn can force us to learn the lessons of that house that it's in. And I have it in like the truest sense, even though it's technically in like a pretty dignified position, like it's hard. Um, And so, you know, having Saturn and Capricorn in the second house of like self-worth, self-confidence, and also income and, you know, working like jobs, things like that, um, finance, possessions, uh, one <laughs> at the beginning of my like shadow period of my Saturn return, uh, I got rid of my entire closet basically, which was really depressing to think back on. There are things that I really regret getting rid of. Um, and I did this several times throughout the Saturn return period. Uh, I don't exactly know why, uh, except that I was just going through like a personal revolution. Also, it's worth saying that Pluto. Uh, has been in Capricorn the entire time. So the entire time that I had Saturn in the second house in Capricorn during my Saturn return, Pluto was also there uh, since my er, like early 20s, late teens. And so, uh, you know, on top of like working two jobs and like having crushing uh, weight against what, I mean, what, what felt like crushing weight against my self-esteem and self-worth and like really having to like honestly define for myself what my core values are and how I define myself and how I define my worth 
has been huge. And it's been like a decade long thing, even though my Saturn return was technically only a couple of years. I don't know if that's because Saturn is in Capricorn, so it's in its own domicile, or if because Pluto was also there, it's sort of forcing me to transform through the, uh, these difficult experiences. And also Saturn makes you work for it. So I've really had to overcome any kind of like, I mean, lack of discipline that I had or feelings of, you know, one thing I want to say about either Saturn, but loosely like anything in Capricorn, any type of Capricorn house uh, placement is that there seems to be this weird sort of teeter totter thing happening where you're kind of on a pendulum of extremes until you figure out where you stand. Uh, And I don't know if this is specifically because for me, it lands in the second house of self-worth or if anybody else can relate to this. But for example, I would go back and forth between my, my standards being so high and my goals being so feeling like they were insurmountable that I would essentially feel like I didn't even want to try at all because the weight of that was so huge to me that I would rather not try at all because of the fear of failure was so great. Um, and I mean, I hope you guys will message me and let me know if you've experienced this in any, wherever you have Capricorn in your chart, or if you have Saturn somewhere that feels specifically challenging to you. Uh, anyway, I don't want to harp too much on that, but, uh, there's also, uh, Pluto in Capricorn trining my Mars in Gemini in the seventh house. Uh, the previous time that I had done this, cause we just had this as a return, um, I had like a meltdown at a water park. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, and like that is just so insane. I don't know what that was about, but I, I did have like definitely like a very um like I what what felt like a mentally unstable time. Uh and also thinking about how, you know, my my dad died last year and uh there was a lunar eclipse in Scorpio the sun and Uranus and Taurus trining Pluto and Capricorn in my dad's chart at the time of his death um and Pluto was in my second house which typically uh Saturn rules the father where I have Saturn exactly there um so Pluto was hitting my Saturn which represents the father in the chart um and Pluto can sometimes represent death and Uranus can represent quick earthly changes in Taurus. So um, it's interesting to see that 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 was a thing that happened. Um, Yeah. Also, you know, and it's funny because we talk about all of these like things as being like transits being so metaphorical, you know, but a lot of the time, like, like Mars and Gemini, having Mars in my natal chart in Gemini in the seventh house of other people it oftentimes means that I I say things that are mean on accident or I have sharp words. You know, Mars is fighting uh, and aggression. It's assertion too, like, but, and it's also like cleverness. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, it can often mean that I'll say things without thinking and have like a foot and mouth moment, which is really bad when you think about the fact that I'm also a sad rising. Like, it's just 
speaking and communicating have been a lifelong lesson <laughs> for me. Um, and also like, you know, being, being the sensitive kid with, in my family, like somebody that always cried and was like very sensitive and who felt that like, uh, you know, a lot of my pains came from the fact that growing up, people constantly told me I was too sensitive. I was too emotional. Um, and, and I constantly felt like people were too hard on me. And I have cancer in the eighth with Chiron. So, you know, if you think about the eighth house, the eighth house rules things like familial legacy. Um, cancer can often, you know, be a sign of like pain and trauma with the mother or the mother's family line. And Chiron represents the deepest wounds that we have. Um, an eighth house can often house be the house of our, like fear and trauma. So there's that. Also, just like to a lesser extent, um, I have Mercury and Taurus in the sixth house, which the sixth house is, it's the house of routines, health, uh, and like mundane errands, also of service or servants. And it's known traditionally as the house of bad fortune because it can be the house of illness. And having Mercury in Taurus, uh, Mercury in Taurus is typically pretty like slow to speak anyway. It has to really think like, I feel like my brain works maybe 10 times slower than somebody else who does not have a slow uh, sign here. Like, it's just really hard to think about what to say sometimes. And as a child, I actually had some speech problems. You know, I had to overcome a lisp when I was like in my young, maybe like from like eight to 11 or yeah, like eight to 11. And a neighbor friend of mine actually helped me to get rid of it, which was really great. Um, yeah. Uh, what else can I think about? I wrote some down here. Uh, I have Venus, Sun and Mercury in Taurus in the sixth house. And I actually have PCOS. So, you know, Taurus being ruling the throat. And like, that's right where the thyroid is. Being in a house of illness. And also having Chiron and Cancer. Uh, cancer typically rules like female issues. Uh, you know, like the female body, like the ovaries and hips or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, having that also in in the eighth house and Chiron being a wound I mean, those things kind of go hand in hand. Uh, also, uh, you know, go, to go back to like Mars and Gemini, uh, being able to get a lot done and also being exhausted when I don't have anything to do because Mars and Gemini wants to multitask and it likes being busy. And if you're not busy, it's exhausted. Like, but the more that I have to do, the more energized I am. And also one of the things, if you have Mars Gemini or if you experience this transit, maybe you can let me know how this has affected you. But Mars and Gemini natal people could probably relate to the fact that you want to do all of these things and you're very excited to do all of these things. But there is such an issue with focus. Like you will just spread yourself too thin trying to do a million things at once. And also it tends to just get into fights with people especially as, you know, someone like me as Mars and Gemini in the seventh, um, that's just, you know, literally fighting with other people if I'm not careful. So, you know, I mean, those are things that are kind of challenging within my chart that I've had to overcome. And uh, also, you know, it still get the best of me. So 
we're all kind of growing and learning here. And I think it's really important to show you guys that, uh, you know, we all have challenges with our, within our birth charts. Not every chart, like there's no chart that's perfect. There's no chart that has no challenges. And if it does have some really great placements, you might find someone who's naturally gifted, but also really lazy, honestly. Uh, everybody has, you know, difficult aspects to it. So, yeah, just something to keep in mind. All right, let's move on. So, also, Vir uh, I'm a 10th house Virgo person. 10th house rules career. Uh, and Virgo is kind of tied up in getting all the details right and perfectionism and routines. Uh, and I'm definitely a perfectionist when it comes to career goals. I'm my own worst critic. I'm probably the thing standing in my way of, you know, full-blown success or helping myself get there, right? Because Virgo is very hardworking and uh, will get all the details. And Virgo is also the master of skills. Uh, we kind of tend to talk shit on Virgos, especially in uh, on social media. You know, they get like a bad rap. Uh, but honestly, they really are so helpful uh, and, you know, as critical as this energy can be for some people, especially if you have like a Virgo moon, you might be like a real worrier or somebody who is tied up with anxiety, but you're coming from this place of like being able to help other people so much and like really wanting to get things right. Uh, and I think people forget too that, you know, Virgo being, you know, the, the skill house, the talent house, like the sixth house yeah, it is the house of bad fortune and, you know, the house of routines and traditionally the house of, like, enslavement, uh, you know, and now we kind of look at it as, like, the ways which, with which we enslave ourselves because, you know, hopefully uh, you're not in actual slavery and in which case that would be not so great. But, uh, you know, for most people nowadays, it's more about how, uh, you know, we keep ourselves trapped in a situation that maybe isn't the best for us because we have a fear of failure, because we're being a perfectionist, um, or because we think that our skills are not good enough, which is crazy because Virgo is so talented. I mean, it, the sixth house, again, rules talents and skills. Uh, okay, moving on. So uh, your 11th house is all about your friends, and I have Libra here, and I encourage all of you to look at your 11th house uh, to see what sign is there and see how many of your friends actually are that sign. Because I have so many friends who are Libras, it is kind of absurd. Uh, and also just like, you know, what planets do you have there? I have the moon there, so I get a lot of security and uh, nurture and comfort and balance through my friendships. And I would be, I, I would definitely classify myself as one of those people who felt like I had a lot more friends who felt like family to me, where I could define that for myself more and, you know, have a lot of friendships that definitely are like family to me, my chosen family. So take a look at your 11th house and, you know, see what's there, like see how that's playing out literally for you, because sometimes it really is a literal expression of what's there. Uh, okay, 12th house Pluto in Scorpio is another place on a vine. Um, and this is something that people have said to me that I've kind of uh, 
accredited to having Pluto and Scorpio in the 12th house is having this insane sense of judgment when it comes to people and also being able to read people, even people I just met, um, even down to knowing like what their intentions are uh, at first light and really kind of trusting that instinct. Also, you know, having really vivid dreams and not to get really like witchy on you, but knowing when bad things will happen. I have like a weird sixth sense when it comes to uh, bad things happening in my life. I don't know if it is like having the power of premonition because I wouldn't really call it that. It's not like I know what's going to happen. But every time within my life that something like really unpleasant has happened to me, um, including my dad passing actually, like that day, I will wake up with this sense of dread and anxiety and not know where it's coming from. And, um, you know, several people around me in my immediate environment have witnessed this. And I am not saying this to say that I'm special. I think everybody has something like this in their chart that gives them some kind of unique skill, um, whether it's, you know, uh, their own intuition or something like that, that helps them in some way, whether it helps them to be more creative or, you know, um, whether it uh, helps them to be in tune with their intuition. Uh, those are a lot of things that we should pay attention to that maybe we don't because we're only interested in, you know, this cool house or this other house in our chart. You know, most people are tied up in their second house because they want to make more money or their seventh house because they want to have the best relationship or the fifth house or something like that or the tenth house because, you know, career uh, or calling or whatever you want to call it. So it's really important to kind of break down each part and also see how those things are playing off one another. You know, if we look at, for example, my north node is in Pisces and my south node is in Virgo in the 10th house and the 4th house, like right along my ICMC. And this is a really important thing. I talked about this in uh, the last episode on the lunar nodes, so definitely listen to that if you haven't yet. But uh, talking about how the houses within our charts can really correspond to the opposing house, you know? So, like, the pie chart being this, like, kind of levy-poly system where we look at the balance that we need to find within our lives and how those areas play off of each other. You know, so uh, me with a north node in Pisces, south node of Virgo, you know, being comfortable going after my goals... Uh, but not so comfortable with my family or my upbringing or my past or a sense of spirituality because Pisces rules religion. Um, and developing my North Node spirituality has really helped me to go after my career uh, aspirations and my personal goals and to achieve my personal goals and to feel supported and to also trust in something bigger than myself and to take a leap of faith rather than obsess over things not being perfect and then taking no action because the, the feelings of perfectionism and the fear of failure was too great. Those are definitely things that show up when you look at your north node, south node, or when you look at your fourth house, tenth house, even if your nodes are not there. Um, you'll see how the, the way that you have been brought up, the things that happened in your past, the things that happen with your parents in your upbringing affect your career aspirations and your approach to those things. 
not only that, but we think about, you know, the sixth house and how it opposes the twelfth house and how, of course, your bodily health or your bodily illnesses can definitely have impact and also uh, be impacted by the twelfth house of mental health and the subconscious and whatever we repress. I mean, even psychologists and psychiatrists um, are coming out and they're writing books about how we... Uh, we now know that suppressed emotions can make us physically, biologically ill. You know, they can affect our our gene expression. And so it makes so much sense that anything that we're repressing, anything, you know, whether that's uh, emotional repression, uh, repressing our desires, repressing anger, repressing sadness or um, fantasies or whatever, whatever it is. And, you know, not dealing with our mental health, not dealing with the fact that we really need to sleep more because 12th house rules rest, you know, that can affect our physical health. Of course, these two houses would be opposing each other, you know, and thinking about the fact that, um, you know, the second house of core values opposes the eighth house. Of course, our core values are affected by our family legacy and by what we invest in, you know, we, we're we only going to invest in the things that we find valuable and that we think have worth. And if those things are not ourselves, for example, if we have poor self-worth in the second house, then of course, the eighth house of investments will also have troubles. So I guess this is pretty much the end of the episode. I want to keep it pretty short, but that is just something I kind of wanted to go over with you guys because I think that we can get really caught up with how the planets can affect our lives in these really esoteric ways. And I'm not saying that they don't. They definitely do. But I'm just saying that sometimes the ways they show up in our lives, whether it's our natal placements uh, or our... um, transits hitting our chart they can definitely affect us in very literal ways and I hope that this has helped you to look at your placements and at the transits and at different movements within your chart or aspects within your chart or transits that are hitting your chart currently in a different way so that you can see all the ways that these things can show up for you you know, it's not just that, you know, Mars and Gemini is like, they call it in exile or whatever, that it's not, it's in detriment, you know, it's not a great placement to have uh, in terms of Mars. It's, you know, the ways that it actually could be expressed here, uh, you know, and that's just an example, but you get what I'm saying. So hopefully this has been helpful to you. This is a different type of episode that I've normally done, but if you enjoy episodes like this, then let me know, and I will try to keep note of how the transits are showing up in my life, and if you want to shoot me an email and let me know how they're uh, being expressed within your life or how you're seeing certain natal placements or transits show up for you, I would love to hear from you, so feel free to shoot me a message on social media. I'm on Twitter at AstroWPodcast or Instagram is my main one at Astrology Witch Podcast. I'm also on Facebook, the Astrology Witch Podcast page, and we have a Facebook group now called Astrology Witches if you want to join that. I would love to see you guys over there where we can talk about these 
transits and natal placements and how they show up in our lives. It's always really interesting to me to see how people are affected by their placements and the transits. Also, I have a Patreon, so if you feel called to support me in a different way, I have some really great exclusive content over there with uh, lots of path workings for the Sabbaths, like different times of year. Even if you're not a Wiccan, they're really fun because, you know, they can help you get into the season that you're in and yeah, just get into the mindset of like what that season is about. Also, I started doing Zodiac path workings for each of the Zodiac seasons, starting with Aries. So by now there's several of them out uh, that you can go and listen to. And it's on like a mid tier. So it's not too expensive to actually gain access to that. And each tier gains access to ad free episodes of the podcast. You get it like a week early. Uh, on top of that, you'll also get uh, lots of access to witchy content and video content, tons and tons of stuff that I have put hours into uh, to help you guys with your spiritual practices and also with um, astrology reports for the full and new moon, um, astrology at a glance every month with magical working recommendations and lots of stuff like that. So if you feel called to uh, definitely check that out, the links for everything will be in the description. And finally, if you want to learn more about how to spiritually heal and transform using astrology, then feel free to book a call with me because I would love to see if you're a great fit for my program, Embracing the Sacred Soul Blueprint. It is a really great program that goes over your most difficult pain points in your chart and how to work with them as well as taking you on a spiritual uh, journey where you can build a foundation for a spiritual practice and help to transform your life. So definitely check that out. The link will be in the description for that as well. And that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you have a great day wherever you are, and I'll see you in the next episode.